All right, so let's, let's, let's just get into the word. <laughs> what a wonderful atmosphere. Cornute, great to see y'all. Driving down here from Columbus. Guess, guess we've probably known each other since 92? 90. We can't hear you word with 92. Yeah, so 92. What is that, 30 years? Oh, happy anniversary. <laughs> so, known each other for 30 years, that means we're really getting up there. <laughs> All, right. All right, so it's been a wonderful, great long weekend. We've been back and forth to South Carolina the whole weekend. My grandson is playing in a basketball tournament out there. Always good to have a good time with family. Good, good to have some good exchanges. All right, so, we, so, uh, all right, so, so the atmosphere was set up perfectly for what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about belongings void, and we don't have to get complicated, but you think about belonging and think about a void. Or, uh, or think about belonging and think about a thirst. Think about belonging and think about significance. And so the Lord was just saying how, like, we're, like, we've been cheated from our value and our significance. So he, just some months ago, he told me to, uh, to teach on this. So hopefully, uh, some of it probably be kind of awakening, stretching. But once again, as we always say, when you realize things, like, don't get condemned, just set a target, right? And, and, and so we were just talking about this in Bible study fellowship and in the, the Bible school, you know, the process, like there's a process for everything. It'd be wonderful if we just skip from where we are to walking on water. That'd be great. Uh, but I've been trying. I keep, like, falling into the water. Um, I'm playing. I'm not trying to walk on water. Uh, <laughs> But what I'm saying is like, it's, it's a process. So you, you, and you gotta allow the process, even though you know how you make a mistake and you wanna get right back to where you were before. You know, you just wanna just jump right back there. And so sometimes if I can't jump back there, then I don't wanna be bothered. Um, but not understand that's a part of the process. Ed was talking about it this morning in the discipleship class, just the, uh, how, you know, he was talking about salvation, the three aspects of salvation, salvation past, salvation present, salvation future and how when we accept Jesus, that takes care of our past sins, all right? Uh, in Salvation Present, we're actually going through the test, the test to, to apply this new life, the test to renew our mind, right? Salvation Future is when we're going to be with Jesus and we don't have to deal with this, these, the temptation of this body. And so we're always going to be struggling with this flesh. Okay, I take that back. We're always going to be tempted by the flesh. We don't always have to struggle. Once we understand that, then we don't relax because we know when we relax, the flesh is trying to jump all on us, right? Every time we relax, the flesh is trying to jump on, jump, jump on us. But it, it's a process, right? It's a process we all, uh, that we're all going to go through. And that's the tough part. Some of us have just accepted Jesus, and we're cool. Salvation passes. Uh, our sins in the past is taken away, but then we jump back into sin. So it's almost like you, you, you need salvation all over again, you know what I'm saying? But But... But you're going through a process, some tests, so you're not tripping, you're not evil, 
God hasn't abandoned you. You know, I got God in my life. Why am I going through this? Because God wants to know that you love me enough now to choose what I've offered you. You know, or is some of the, the delicacies of this world more important than me? Right? So he's giving you an opportunity to choose. That's all. All right, so, and, and then the other piece here is how do we even get into these traps? Because we get suckered into thinking that we need things that we already have. You know, caught up in keeping up, uh, comparison, trying to prove ourselves. You know, as opposed to knowing that God gave us everything we need. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so when we go through this, this clouded process, we, we start to get thirsty. Now, now hang in there, because I know y'all don't like nobody calling you thirsty. <laughs> I get a little sensitive, somebody say you're thirsty. But in reality, if we're honest, sometimes we are thirsty. We are desperate, right? You know, not because we're tripping, it's just we, we, we didn't know that we put ourselves in a position where we're going to be thirsty. And then once you get clouded and you lose value for yourself, you figure, I'm going to take the first thing to come along. First opportunity to come along, first job to come along, first relationship to come along, because I'm thirsty. I'm desperate. I put myself in a position where I, I think I need them more than they need me, right? All right, but we're going to flip that script, right? And so, so we get pulled into this, this, this path of belonging. Uh, the tough part is you're pulled into belonging, but you're clouded from its destination. So you get pulled into, uh, I need to belong to them. I need to be a part of this. I need to be hooked up with that. I need to keep up with that. And you're so caught up in the, uh, am I accepted? Do I belong? Do they like me? Uh, Do they understand? Uh, uh, Are they going to see my imperfections? You lose sight of the destination that this path is taking you into. And, and, And so this is our measure. If we're participating in anything, if it doesn't pull you up, it may pull you out. If it doesn't pull you up to connection with God, it may pull you out of the presence of God. If it doesn't pull you up, it may pull you out. And most likely, if it doesn't pull you up, it's going to pull you out. I just try to be nice and say it may, you know, because some of y'all think like that, right? Some of us think, think like that. That's, you know. All right, so some of us have never, how do we get caught up in this? Because some of us has never been a part of a solid family, a solid team, or a solid church. I was uh, at my grandson's game, so he was in a situation where the coach was telling him how to play defense. Well, I didn't like what the coach was telling him, but it was the team, you know. So it's, uh, you know, because I, I, I'm a scout. You know, I said, go to the games, and I, I can tell you what the, team, the other team's going to do. So the first team I knew, I said, they all go left. You know, they all watching the videos. Go left, crossover left, uh, drop step left. Everything was this. So I was like, let's just make them go right, and they're going to come back left every time. Right? But the coach was like, back off. I was like, no, we don't want to back off. Just make them go right. Second game, I scouted that team. And, well, somebody might even see this, but it's true. I was shocked when I found out where they were from. But, but they couldn't dribble. And so I was like, oh, yeah, we just pressured them all day. They just throw the ball away. But the coach was telling them, people, telling them to back off. I was like, no, 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 we don't want to back off. Just keep putting pressure on them. These guys can't dribble. Now, I found out later they, <laughs> they from where I'm from. I ain't never seen a team from New Jersey couldn't dribble. <laughs> never, ever in my life. This was, it was a shocker. Um, but so they didn't do it. And so my, my, my grandson was telling the coach, hey, I'm just trying to go 100%. So the coach said, stop talking back. So we talked later. He says, well, granddad, I was talking back. And, and, and so then the coach said something to him. 
He said, uh, he said, it's a team effort. So what he was saying, he says, what I'm asking you to do is what our team is doing. And so when we haven't been a part of a team, sometimes we, we, we're always looking for our individual performance. Do I look good? So I asked him, I said, I said so after the first game, you probably said to yourself, man, I hit, I hit some nice shots. I said, I want you to walk away saying, man, we lost. Who cares about how many shots I hit? We lost the game. See, I see, I want you to start thinking about the team. The team win versus your individual success. And this is what we do in our life. How can we be isolated? How can we say my business? How can we be so, because we've, very few of us have been a part of a team. How do we get offended if, when it's my turn, they always singing. I want to be number one. Why, how do we, where does that come from? Because we've never been a part of a team. We can't wait our turn. Just like in a family, if you've been a part of a solid family, you know what? Everybody got a birthday, right? Right? Ain't that right? Y'all got different birthdays, right? So you got to celebrate your sister's birthday, right? Hopefully. You celebrate your sister's birthday, right? Something. <laughs> He's being honest, right? But then you got to celebrate your brother's birthday, right? Because it's, it's his turn now, right? Right? And so, so we all got birthdays in life, right? So we got to be able to celebrate when somebody else is doing stuff, right? And so, so when you become a part of a solid family, solid, te- solid team, you become part of a solid church, you learn how to be excited when other people are doing something. Not, not sizing it up as, man, Lou, he sound pretty powerful. <sighs> I ain't, it's Ms. Lamar, they, it's Ms. Lamar, it's Lou, it's Ed, James, they, they do the welcome, right? So now uh, the other three sitting back, oh, wait till I get my turn. You know, I'm going to line up my scriptures on my way to church. I'm going to see if the Lord give me a song. Man, please. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what the goal is. See, y'all laughing, but some, y'all, some people be thinking about that, don't they? Like, man, I probably ain't going to get another shot now. Lou, Lou sounded so good. Look, everybody was all excited when he was talking. Man, how come they're excited when I'm talking? All right? And so it's hard to harmonize when you, when you depersonalize everybody into a rival or every truth into a put-down. So I can't harmonize if everybody's a rival. If everybody's like, it's, it's competition, you know, we talk about this in a premarital courtship, like you got to grow from competitiveness to covenant. You know, some, some couples have been together for a long time and they're competing. He's waiting for somebody to do something. Look, I can't believe you did that. Then the other person's like, well, I can't believe you did that. So every day is about, like, competing, you know, looking for what's wrong with each other. That's a competition. That's not a covenant. We're supposed to be together, right? Yeah. Right? Right, Lomaxes? Just want you to stay with me here, right? (laughs) Newerly married, so I just make sure I just emphasize that. It's a team, right? Right, Kenzie? It's a team, right? Little brother, it's a team, right? Little brother coming. Even if he, he's born on your day, you'll still be a team, right? Look, look she over there because his, his birthday may be close to her day. She's like, okay, I love him, but he can't be born on my day. It's my day. It's been my day for years, right? Can't be crowding my day. But it's still a team, right? 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 We're a family, right? Heirs family, right? Right, so when June and other people come out that's going to be teaching during Fast Week, we're still going to show up to support them too, right? We ain't going to say, man, they taking one of my turns. Right? Right? We good? 
I see, you should see the faces. Like, you smiling, but you should see the other face. Some other people coming? That's, it's going to take one of my slots? Right, that's not how we roll, right? Right, and then sometimes you're going to find yourself when you're caught up in this, this competitiveness or belonging, you can find yourself aborting relationships based on discomfort, based on circumstances, based on unrealistic or uncommunicated expectations. So you can find yourself aborting relationships quick because they make me uncomfortable. But suppose they're supposed to challenge you to greatness, right? Am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Ain't that what the Bible says? But we'll avoid a relationship that tells us the truth. We only have relationships that agree with us, right? But a relationship that agree, agree with you is not growing you because you already was what they agree with. You're in a relationship to be beyond that. Right? All right, so I got a couple, got an amen, that's good. Right, I got a couple like, really? Nah, I'm just looking for people that just, you know, you feel me, you feel me, we all tripping, but you feel my trip. That's not, that's not what our goal is. And then uncommunicated or unrealistic expectations. Now you get into a relationship because you thirsty and you look into a relationship for that person to quench your thirst. But God might have sent you in a relationship for you to bless them. So you're so busy frustrated because you see the relationship all wrong. God's supposed to quench your thirst. You're supposed to pour what God pours into you into the other person. But you're tripping on, you, 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 you're not making me happy. You're not quenching my thirst. I just can't take you no more. You, what about me? You're not thinking about me 24-7. Locking people down from their purpose just to, to sit around and soothe you. Something's off about that, isn't it? That's why you don't go in a relationship thirsty. I see, again, I ain't say no names. Calm down with the, with the feeling all comfortable because you, you feel like somebody calling you thirsty, okay? You might be thirsty, right? <laughs> Z, look, Z over there going, right? It just might be. So, so, so in, in regular life, when you're thirsty, you get something to drink, right? But you realize you're thirsty. Do you know people go to the hospital and be in there for days because, the, and, and the, the doctor says you, or you're in here because you're dehydrated. They don't know they're thirsty, right? <laughs> Guess what? Somebody admitted you into Harris Christian Center Church Hospital. The diagnosis is you're dehydrated. Otherwise interpreted, you're thirsty. <laughs> All right? <laughs> so we must realize our thirst to belong can only be quenched in God and his family. Our thirst to belong can only be quenched in God and his family. Right? Our thirst to, listen, everyday folk that's greedy, selfish, not playing off of God, they can't quench your thirst. You know why? Respectfully, they ain't thinking about you. As much as you're thinking about them, they ain't thinking about you. Not because they're evil. They don't know how to think about nothing but themselves. So you're going to keep running to get, to, to get your thirst quenched, but it's like on a hot day running after Coca-Cola. It's going to be wet and cold, but it can't quench your thirst. It actually dehydrates you. I said Coca-Cola. See, I left your alcohol alone, didn't I? See, I said Coca-Cola, right? See, wasn't that nice? And then you say nothing about the alcohol. Because we already know that that dehydrates us, so why bring that up? 
right? <laughs> Let's go to Genesis 2, right? Genesis 2. Pastor, you, you slipped that in there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did, my bad. I right, said so Genesis 2, right? And so, so, so you think about this, uh, we've been talking about this in the Bible school. We've been going through the different principles of interpreting the Bible. So one of them is the, uh, uh, we talked about the context principle, keeping everything in context, right? But then we would talk about the, the first mention principle. Like when things are first mentioned, that's when you could determine God's intent. Now, so when you start reading Genesis 1 and 2, a lot of this took place before sin, right? So after sin, some things took place wasn't necessarily in God's original intent, right? It was a result of corruption. So you may, may you read it in the Bible as a fact, but that doesn't mean it's a truth. It, it's an intended reality, right? It's something that someone compromised. So we can say, well, in the Bible, they, 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 they had uh, uh, 10 wives. Yeah, when? After God's original intent, right? That wasn't God's intent. And you can say, well, why, why, didn't God, why did God allow it? Because just like I told you, it takes patience to go through your process. God is patience, patient enough to let us evolve through the process. So we talked about the progressive, progressive revelation of the Bible in, in Bible school, right? It's progressive. It, it's going to evolve into God's original intent. So he's just, so the Bible says God is slow in the shadow of turning. He's not in a rush to exact punishment on you. So if the punishment comes, he's like, listen, this fool can't even, they ain't going to get it till they feel pain, right? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 8.11, it says the sentence against the evil work is not executed speedily. But people find it in their heart to still do evil. They think because God is not executing the punishment immediately, they're getting away with it. No, God is just patient and say, hey, I'm giving you enough time to repent. So by the time the pain comes, he says, well, I guess that's all, that's the only way you're going to wake up. But we, when the pain comes, we start, we mad at God. When we had all this time to change. Like there's people sitting in the room right now, no, God done told them what to adjust and change, right? And you kept saying, what, I'm going to get to that, I'm going to get to that. But we got some parents in here. And you're teaching your kids some things, right? And your kids are saying, what, I'm going to get to that, I'm going to get to that. But it comes a point where you're like, no, 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 no. You're going to get to that now. And you ch- now, so now you're doing something to affect them. So that's normally pain. And for some kids, you just, you get mad. It's like you scared the life out of them, right? But what, what, where did that come from? You kept asking them, hey, I need you to clean up your room. Hey, 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 I need you to do your homework. Hey. And he's like, oh, okay. I got to take something from you now, right? Because obviously my request is not enough. Well, God's saying the same thing. I got to take something from you now, huh? Because obviously, my request is not enough. Then after a while, taking something ain't enough, right? So you say, I got to take some of your comfort and cause some pain, right? But the whole time, you're trying to do what? Change them to do what's best for them. God's working the same way, right? God, that's why, so, so, so he's just taking the time. He's like, so you going to do this? We're going we're gonna, to do this because you, you're really looking foolish right now. All right? All right, so keep that in mind as we talk about this first mention, God's original intent, and what we're talking about belonging his voice. So Genesis 2.18, this is how 
uh, this is what God's thought process was to start out. Genesis 2.18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should, should be alone. It says, I will make him a help me, uh, help me for him. So God's original plan was not for us to be alone, right? Isolated. And we've talked about this before because if you're alone, you can what? Lean to your own understanding, right? Right? Scripture says lean not to your own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? You can also deceive yourself. We know that, James chapter 1, where it says you can deceive yourself, right? Now, I know we don't think we can because we're comfortable with ourselves, but how many of us have deceived ourselves before? By a show of hands. God's watching. You know, right? All right, so, so how many of you deceive yourself more than one time? How many of you deceive yourself the same way? Just keep the hands up. It's good. Keep the hands, keep the hands up, right? All right, so, so that means we can deceive ourselves. So that's why God says it's not good for you to be alone because we have a false sense of processing who we are, right? Uh, I call it improper image of ourselves, right? That's what the Bible says uh, uh, we see in part, or it says you're looking through a glass darkly, right, but then face to face. Right now we see in part, but then we'll see even as we're known by God, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, right? right? So what it's saying is like it's kind of, we're looking, Amplified says we're looking in life as a riddle or an enigma. Like we, we're not, it's not a clear view of who we are and what we're purposed to do. Now the adversary tries to catch us in this cloud because if you don't know who you are, he's more than happy to tell you who you are, which is of course will be a lie, right? And so over here, God says, okay, I don't want man to be alone. So I'm going to make somebody suitable for him. Now, the tough part about that, once he introduces somebody else in your life, now you're exposed to what they're exposed to, right? Right? Whoever you hang with, you don't just get the part you like, you get all their choices too, right? You, birds of a feather flock together and fly to the same destination, right? All right, so, so, so now he has Eve, so that's the part he like, right? Ooh, she look good, right? So he liked the good look part. Well, he also got the decision-making part. I'm, I'm not just focused on Eve because she's a woman, right? So stay, stay, stay with me. Don't, right? Just focus on Eve because she's the other person, okay? So Eve decides what? She, she, she didn't know who she was. Adam knew who he was. Eve didn't know who she was, so the devil what? Tried to tell her who she was. Then God gave specific instructions so they could stay in his presence. But he was trying to teach them obedience so they can draw authority. He knew they would need authority in the earth realm, right? So, so this Satan comes because he got kicked out of heaven. He was Lucifer. He had everything he wanted. But he lost sight of his value and got into competition with God. I'm going to be like the most high. Why would you need to be? You, you, you sweet the way you design. You move and the best sound in the world come out of you. Out of all the archangels, you the top. What else you want, Right? So, so, so he got greedy because he, oh, no, no, he didn't get greedy, he got what? Thirsty. <laughs> right? As soon as he got thirsty, he gets kicked out of heaven because we can't have thirsty folk in the presence of God. Right? <laughs> All right, so he gets kicked out, right? You remember that, right? Amen. He gets kicked out. So now he's like, I, a misery loves company. So I, I need to create some more thirsty people. And let me start with E. Look like God's really working to make sure they got everything they need. But I might could get to her. He didn't go to Adam. He went to the thirsty person. He says, he says, he says well, you can't eat of these trees. 
She says, no, no, we can eat the trees. We just can't touch it. She even said the scripture is wrong. So, then, so, so, so he says, he said, nah, see, God's, God's word that if you eat of this tree, you're going to be just like him. They were already like him. They was made in his image after his likeness. That's what he does with us. We already are what we need. He tries to convince us we need more. It's not enough. He's trying to say, y'all, you're not enough. You need more. Think about in our life. As soon as we don't think we're enough, now we try to prove ourselves instead of be ourselves. Amen. Right? Amen. Soon as somebody gets you proving yourself, they got you. You're on the team. Uh, There's a young man. I got him into the school. I knew the coach. He's in the school. Coach is calling me every week. Oh, man, yeah, he's, he's a walk-on, but he's on the team. Not a problem. He leaves the team because he didn't think he was going to make the team. But he didn't think he was going to make the team because of his talent. He didn't think he was going to make the team because of what all the other players were saying. But they was hating because they was worried about him taking their spot. So they, got, they tried to get him to prove himself based on their standards. But who was going to make the decision, the players or the coaches? The coaches. And he was already on the team. So he left the team that he had already made. To this day, he's not playing basketball. Now, I use basketball, but, but what happens to us when we get in our own head? Or somebody convinced us that we're less than we are, or it takes a lot more than it does, right? So that's that, that, that's that whole process in Genesis. But the Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, God set the members in the body as it pleases him. So God is already pleased where he placed you. God is already pleased where he placed you. But why are we so busy trying, looking for something else? Why don't we plant and grow from where we are and produce from where we are? You ever seen a plant hopping around that grows? It has to sustain itself in the soil through the winds, through the storms, through the hot sun, the freezing cold. It has to stay rooted until it can flourish and produce. And guess what? When it starts to produce, it can travel because the seeds travel. The other plants that come out of it gets to extend it, right? But it has to stay rooted for a while. See, see, it has to go through its process, right? And so, so God set the members in the body to please him. Then he said this. He set members in the body. Ed talked about this this morning because we've been talking about this in our survival kit, discipleship class. So we talked about the indwelling Christ, but then we say the, the thumb, it represents what? One body. So we being, mem- we being many are what? Bone body in Christ. But we all don't have the same what? Offices, right? But we being many what? Are one body. But we all have different, different functions. But we harmonize together. Like the heart can't say, man, don't nobody never see me, man. When do I get to be seen? If the heart comes out to be seen, you're going to die. The heart don't ever get the, the mirror look. You know the mirror look, right? You did it this morning, right? Look, look, look. look. Uh, my grandson, he was downstairs, and, and y'all have the, uh, in the room where y'all do the, have all the drama stuff. So y'all had the crown from last week. You remember last week, Justina? Yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> right? So, so he put the crown on, and, and so my son was taking a picture, so he said, this is his picture. 
All right, so she's you not know we be profiling. But do the heart ever get that love that the hair get? Because I see some of y'all bust your wigs. It's like, <laughs> right, I, I see y'all. Uh, like, Shayla got a little different color on over here. Just, <laughs> right, but do the heart get different colors? Different wigs, different weaves? Do the heart get that? No. But is the face more valuable than your heart? But does the face get more attention than your heart? Same thing in our life. We're in a body. Some of us are hearts. We're the heart of the whole thing. And we may not get the attention, but let something happen to us. We make it all go. Can you be okay being a heart? The most valuable piece that's not seen? Do you know everything that's seen, it ain't functioning without you? If you ain't pumping that blood, everything that's seen has no life. You know some of y'all are the heart of this church? But jockeying to get seen, getting out of place, you're about to destroy the whole thing. You're not about to destroy the whole thing. That's, that's a terrible confession. It never happened. You're going to stay in place and function and pump life into this whole thing. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Trina was about to run up here. Pastor, pastor, you have what you say. Watch your mouth. <laughs> right? All right, so look, the Scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Right? Because we all need each other. Right? So, so you, you won't have to worry about belong, being, belonging if you stay locked into the members God set you in. Right? You don't have to worry about it. Right? See, this is the thing. We talk about this in the Disciples' Cross. That's, that's the, the first book in our discipleship class on Master Life. So we talked about the bottom of the cross represents what? Word. The Word. You sure? He's second guessing there. You're the minister, right? Okay. <laughs> the Word. Top of the cross, prayer of faith, right? So the vertical part of the cross is what? Your relationship with who? God. Left side of the cross, fellowship. Right side of the cross, witnessing. That's your relationship with what? With man, right? So let's remove fellowship, which is that left side of the cross. How is that cross standing? Right? <laughs> so it's important. It's all important, right? And, 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 and the reason why, because God fitly joined us together. So, so you get your essential nourishment when all the pieces are in place, right? Like everybody's valuable, but just some, some people are kidneys, some people are hearts, some people are very, different things. But everybody's valuable. Everybody has something different to bring to the table. That's why we have all these people... Like, like through the course of a year, we probably got 40-something people sh uh, sharing the word, right? Through fast week, you know, if it's six people, it was 12 people every fast week, that, well, that total is 48, but some people repeat, right? But that's, that's a lot of people, right? But guess what? It's exciting because you see all the parts of the body being used different ways, right? You understand what I'm saying? But suppose we tripping. Look, they, they were special today, babe. We need to... Turn that list down, maybe cut it down about 12. 
Or maybe cut it down like three or four. We don't need all these people shining like that. You know, they might forget about us. Right? We don't think like that, right? All these gifts around here, right? And so, so, so we're fitly joined into the body. Now, the only way we're going to get out of place and start to lose our nourishment if we get pulled out. Remember, if you don't get pulled up, you get pulled out, right? And so we were talking about this in, well, wasn't that Bible study fellowship this week, so it was uh, class yesterday. No, was it yesterday? Yeah, class was yesterday. <laughs> uh, Bible school class, and we were just talking about how we got to watch uh, the uh, can't say no zone. That was yesterday, right? Can't say no zone. So, this, so, so again, I'm flowing with the body. I'm in agreement with God. I'm doing things. But I got people that tries to get me caught up in a compliance and obligation. And I was, I'm more obligated to them than God. And so I can't say no. Well, somebody said it yesterday. Didn't somebody say, well, I just can't say no? That was that? That was you, Cinnamon? Yeah. It's just hard to say no. But, but that's cool unless God asking you to do something, right? But do we measure it, or is our, is our decision based off of what God, obedience to God or compliance to men? Is our default, or no matter what they ask, I'm saying yes. But suppose they ask you something that's going to take you out of the harmony and will of God. Some of us ain't even lining it up that way. I'm just doing that no matter what. You know, that's my son. That's my boo. I got to. That's family. But we're going to get into that in a second, okay? All right, so the Scripture talks about uh, in uh, Ephesians 3.15, it's, it's, starting to, it's, trying, it's trying to guide us to where our belonging is. So let's go there, Ephesians 3.15, right? Because remember, we said your true thirst is quenched with God and the family of God, Right? So, so I'm going to say this for the record, and please drop your rocks here, but I'm going to say that some of our family can take us out of God's will, right? I'm going to repeat that. Some, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about the family of God, I'm talking about blood family, right? Could take us out of God's will. But then we'll think it's okay because, well, that's, that's family, that's family, that's blood, but I'm going to say this for the record. Some family has been training us to be separate from fulfilling our purpose in God. Right? So, so, so Paul starts off this in verse 14, Ephesians 3, 14. He says, for this cause, for this cause, so the cause of the cause, I bow my knees unto the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, of whom the whole family, whole family in heaven and earth is named. So, so he's talking about there's a, that we have a, an earthly family, you have a spiritual family, right? And we know this because in Genesis 1-1, God became, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Genesis 2-1, it says God was finished with the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them, right? So it wasn't just about uh, a family on earth, but it was, you know, that's why we pray for it to be on earth as it is in heaven, right? The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6-10. All right, so, so we have this spiritual family, right? And so, so, so let's look here at Mark 3. Let's look here at Mark 3. Because Jesus came to fulfill the word, right? And to show us how to really live this life, right? Now, Jesus was, uh, he was the Messiah. He was, you know, he came from on high. But the scripture says he became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Right? Is that correct? All right. 
You know, we, we have a Bible study fellowship six to eight in the morning and it's walking through the Bible. So that's been walked through. It is six to eight in the morning. Why? Yeah. It's six to eight. Why y'all correcting me and, and I was right? It's six to eight, right? Five to six is prayer. Six to eight is the Bible study fellowship, right? All right. Huh? You get confused if you're not on prayer? Oh, okay. So prayer and Bible study fellowship is five to eight. Is that better? That was the truth. Right? Yeah, all right. What? Y'all do it. So y'all, <laughs> we do it. We do it. We do it. We do do it. I, I do it too. All right. So, so Mark three thirty-five. Right. Mark three thirty-five. I'm not, hold on. Let me make sure. I read three, Ephesians three fifteen. Pastor Melvin. <laughs> Come on. Stay with me. <laughs> Stay with the team, baby. Stay with the team. All right, so, so Mark 3, we're going to start at verse 31 just for this conversation. So, so, so the backdrop here is Jesus is breaking down how you should live this life, right? And so he's in a situation where, you know, he's, praying, he's teaching people, but he's also teaching them so he can get them healed and things of that nature. And so his, his mother and his brother show, brethren, his family shows up. And it's verse 31. It says, there, there came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. So now everybody is gathered around him to get all the information. But so picture, everybody's gathering over here. And they're like over here. And they're like, uh, you can come right here real quick. So Isaac, Isaac is, you know, he's just making sure, doing crowd control. Hey, my man, you know, go in there and tell, tell, tell Jesus, the main guy, tell him his family out here. We'll be out here. All right, you good, you good. So that's what they did. They didn't go in. Why you didn't go in like everybody else? But see, they, see it wasn't about what was happening inside. It was about him, his compliance, and his approving our standard outside. There's a standard going on inside. Some God stuff going, signs, wonders, and miracles. The Word of God going, but no, 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 no. We out here going, yo, yo. So we got to make sure, I I hear he doing some things. We got to make sure we're still the most valuable things in his life our control and our compliance. Tell that dude come out here. I don't care what he's doing. He can heal later. But his family here, his blood up in here. Right? I just wanted you to get the, 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 the big picture. All right, verse 32. And the multitude said about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. So they passed on the information. And he answered them saying, who is my mother and who is my brother? He said, and he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, 
Behold, my mother and my brother. He says, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my mother, same as my brother and my sister and my mother. So, Isaac, you come on. You, you passing the information. So, we out here healing and delivering, right? So, you just let me, your people outside. My mom and my brother. Who was my mom and my brother? The people that's doing the will of God. And he went back to healing and delivering. Right? Look, he was, it was a test. Is the obedience to God more important or the compliance to man? Right? Oh, look, look. I told you you might have to set a target on this one. Because I know it's messing up. Your, you already got a default. Your approval has been compliant. But you remember back in Genesis when Abraham was, let's go to Genesis. It's an audible. So the people watching online, I know you ain't going to have that scripture at the bottom of your screen because I didn't know the Holy Spirit wanted to talk about it. So let's go to it. Let's go to it because we're going to look at it a little bit different here. So, so Genesis 12, verse 1, right? Genesis 12, verse 1. It says, and now the Lord has said unto Abram, this is before he became Abraham, get thee out of thy country, right? And from thy kindred, Genesis 12, 1, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, that mother, that brother, and that family, right? He says, and from thy father's house. He says, and unto a land that I'll show thee. He says, and I will make of thee a great nation, a great people, and I will bless thee, Make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee, look, look, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. But Abraham had to do something first. He had to leave compliance. He had to leave familiar. The Kamash breaks it down this way. A mantle of chosenness was placed on him. He's like, okay, you've been compliant. You've passed the test. You passed the test, you've been loyal to family, now I need you to be loyal to the kingdom. So, 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 you're, so, so you've done that for a stage because that's a part of your process. It was a part of Jesus' process. Remember, he was in the temple, he's 12 years old, and they, they lost him. When they came back, Jesus is breaking it down to all the, the top people in the temple. Let me tell you what the word really saying. 12 years old. And his parents said, man, where are you looking all over for you, man? Where you at? He said, don't you know I'm about my father's business? You're like, Messiah came out. You know how like in, in our lives sometimes where we're going comes out right now, even though we ain't there yet? But then it says Jesus caught himself. It says from that point on, he was compliant up until the Holy Spirit fell on him like a dove at 30 years old. Then, then at that point, now it was time for him to go into his own. But he was doing the same thing he was teaching us. He went through his stage of compliance, but that's supposed to transition into a stage of obedience. You can't stay there too long. Just like the baby can't stay in the womb past that 40 weeks, something could happen. The baby and the mama could die. Something happens to our dreams and our purpose when we stay in compliance too long. It start, we start to, our dreams start to atrophy. It start to break down. Then we start, now we start to get irritable. With the same family members, they, these my people. Now they're getting on your nerves, ain't they? Because now, now you're in compliance too long. You have to cross over into obedience, right? Does that make sense? 
right? Let's, let's look at Matthew 12, just another angle of the same thing, right? Matthew 12. I, this is a task that we all have, and some of us have never passed it. That's not putting nobody down because you still got opportunity. You're still here, right? As long as you're here, guess what? You can pass it tomorrow. Now, see, I, I, I heard that. I heard that. I heard that in somebody's head. Somebody's thinking, good, I'm going to go back. Now, I ain't doing that. I'm doing God. Ain't nobody tell you to just trip on everybody. You don't, have to, you don't have to trip on everybody. You just have to be obedient. And if you have to be obedient, just like you do everything else, you have to explain, well, listen, leave it up to me. I would, I'd do anything you ask. But I can't do what you ask at the expense of being obedient to God. Hopefully, you'll understand. Not, <laughs> what's wrong with you asking me that? I live for God. Forget you. No, that's not how we roll it. We don't have to roll like that. I remember me and my son, uh, uh, somebody asked me about this uh, the other day. Me and my son, one of our, uh, if I think it was the second time he was getting close to leaving the house. First time he left, you know, kind of disgruntled. Then he came back, you know. First time I just said, I was telling him what to do in the house. I just, I did like this. I was looking at the door. I said, uh, son, you know, ain't no bars on the door. You can leave it anytime you want. I said, boy, as long as you're in the house, you have to do what I'm asking you to do. I said, I don't have a choice. I'm be, I have to be obedient to God. I can't change my obedience to, to comfort you. I said, because I'm answering to God. I said, when you get your own place, you can do whatever you want to do. I guess we're going to get along great because your dirt, you got to live in. But you can't do dirt in here. I said, if you have a vision and I have a vision, that's called die, die too. That's what, that's what, dice, D-I is in there. That's called die vision. I said, we can't have two visions. You ever, you ever see those uh, 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 wildlife, nature, or where they show the, the rams and they be locking horns? It's a, it's a male ram and, and a young ram that just got his horns. And so he thinks because he has horns, he has authority. So the, so the daddy ram is like, so I'm going to have to show you how it is. So when you see him locking horns, if you would have seen the rest of the story, you would see the young ram going, all right, my bad. <laughs> I, mean, I figure I had horns too. You got horns, I got horns. Why you leading? I know now why. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So it's a part of the process, you know what I'm saying, that you, you, know, you feel like because you got horns, you're supposed to lead, but you ain't been through the process to understand how to use them yet. You still think I'm talking about the Rams? The football team? <laughs> right. All right, so you understand what I'm saying right now, right? All right, so let's go to, uh, I said Matthew 12, right, 46 to 50. We're talking about belongings void and how this void has actually created us to be thirsty, but it's caused us to get pulled out of the presence of God, right? Like almost like, like, like you know, you, you, you start talking to people, you come to church, you talk to people, you go, yeah, but I can't do that because all the people I'm belonging to told me it's not cool. It's not okay. So we was with the grandkids, and, and we was at the table, and we was across, you know, we always do everything together, so we sit together. So, but at the, at the dining room table, uh, she was sitting on one end, I'm sitting on the other end, so we looking across each other laughing and stuff like that, and saying, I love you, and kissing. So, they, so my granddaughter started laughing. And so, so my wife said, so, so, so how does that look to y'all? She, she says, she says, ah, it's funny. So then she says, no, for real. She says, well, actually, I, I, I kind of want that. 
I said, okay, yeah, I know you want it, but how does it look? And they says, well, actually, you know, to our group, it looks like corn. It's not cool. I said, so, so, so now let me break it down to you. Because we're not trying to be like everybody, we don't care how it looks. We're in love. So we're going to be in love. I don't care what any of y'all think. <laughs> Include Minister Lamar. I'm sorry, I had to get you on that one. Yeah, because we'd we be playing, he'd be like, <laughs> like he'd be, trying to, he'd be trying to joke with us, right? But, but if you notice, no matter how much he joke, I don't change. Because I don't think I'm less than a man because I love my wife. And, and where I'm from, it ain't cool. I, I would go around my family. You know, I'm from Newark, New Jersey. So I'd go around my family and it'd be like, are oh, you all up under her? I'd say, yeah, because that's my girl. That's not supposed to be the response. The response is supposed to be, no, I'm not all up under her. No, 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 no. She with me. She with me. She with me. <laughs> you know, we walking together, and my family see me, and I, yo, yo, girl. Yo, yo, chill, chill, just chill. Yo, wait till they leave. And so we talking to our grandkids about that. They said, you ever been around somebody? You, you in, in private, you special. But in public, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then they're calling you, hey, Jimmy, Jimmy. <laughs> Call you up later on the phone, hey, how you doing? I was calling you. Oh, you were? Oh, my bad, I didn't hear you. Otherwise interpreted, I didn't want nobody to know I was with you because I'm trying to check somebody else out. You don't want to be with that person? You want to be with somebody who want to be with you? Did you get that? <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Like, I want to be with her. I, listen, y'all, y'all can say whatever y'all want. I want to be with her, don't I? I got the mic, so everybody thinking that I just want to be with you. They didn't hear you. I know, I know, but they didn't hear you. I want to be with you. No, no, no. <laughs> see, see, there you go. I had all the props, but you had to take it. Yeah. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like, we we enjoy each other. Oh, here you go. You. You impact. Call it what you want. I'm happy. I am happy. <laughs> I say, well, let's go back to what I'm talking about. I don't know how I got on that. <laughs> I ain't got on that, y'all. You probably be cool. That is cool. If I'm not a fool, I'm cool. <laughs> anyway. Matthew 12, 46. All right, so this, this is, this is uh, kind of similar backdrop. It says, uh, it says, while he yet talked with the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, behold, thy mother and thy brethren standeth without desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, who is my mother, who is my brother? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brother, for whosoever shall do the will of the Father which is in heaven, the same as my mother and my brother and my sister. The backdrop is he was healing somebody. Folk was charging in the room to get healed. And they're worried about his compliance to them. All right, so who's really our family? Let's look here at uh, Hebrews 11. Because in Bible, in Bible school, we talk about, uh, we talked about the context principle. So we said 
the New Testament is in the Old Testament what? Contained, right? The Old Testament is in the New Testament explained, right? Right, so, so you can really you can really understand the entire Bible, understanding that whatever you find in the New Testament was already contained in the Old Testament. Whatever you see in the Old Testament, it's, it's, it's fulfilled in the New Testament, right? And so, so, so as you're studying our scripture, you don't have to just pull one scripture out. You can see how it harmonized with the entire Bible, right? Well, we talked about how scripture backs up scripture, backs up scripture, right? And so, so as, as we were talking about this, I was just thinking through uh, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, verse 20. So this, this is the faith chapter, right? And but the faith chapter is referencing a lot of things that they did in the Old Testament, right? And so verse 20 says, well, I'll start at verse 19. It says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into his holiness by the blood of Jesus. It says, by a new and living way, a new and living way. So we have ways that we operate in they're old ways, but they, they, they take the life out of us as opposed to giving life to us, right? It says, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, uh, his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. It says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith, faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise, right? It says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love to good works, right? Not forsakenly assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another insomuch the more as ye see that they're approaching, right? It says, if we sin, no, I'm reading the wrong thing. That was good. But that was actually Hebrews 10, <laughs> verse 20. <laughs> Look, he said, he said, he said, that was Hebrews 10, come to church. All right, so verse 20, Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, when, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months uh, of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. You know, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, when he matured, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So, so again, for a long time, he's in Pharaoh's house compliant. Rolling with them like we family, chilling on the delicacies of life, right? Verse 25, it says, so when he got to a, son, a certain age, the age of chosenness, when it was time for him to fulfill purpose, it said, no, I don't want to be called family by them. That's not my true family, Right? It says, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer, and afflict, suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. So here you see he, was, he would rather than 
the pleasures of compliance to be rolled with the people of God, even though it looked like he was going to go through testing, trials, and affliction. But he knew being with the people of God was more important than it looked like the comfort I was in at the time or the convenience I was in at the time. Right? You see that? Right? Can we make that choice? All right, so he would rather be with the promised family in the season of suffering than experience seasonal pleasures with the people of compromise that lead to eternal suffering. So I'll repeat that. He would rather be with the promised family in a season of suffering that was going to change, you know, preparation for purpose, than experience seasonal pleasures with people of compromise that will lead to eternal suffering. So what he's saying, when I was with the people of Compromise, I'm enjoying some seasonal pleasures. It looks like everything's all good. But the road it's taking me to is eternal suffering. But if I'm with the people of God, I'm in a season of suffering, not a season of pleasure. But it's taking me to eternal fulfillment. So what road are you on? Who, who you with? <laughs> Right? So he, he got it. Sometimes, I understand, sometimes there's very few genuine family, friends, and associates that really love and support us. But the reason why is because it's, it's, it's so we would press towards being around genuine people. We don't have to settle for compromised relationships. You know, there's a lot of fear, hate, and envy in a lot of our situations. There's not a lot, always a lot of praise with achievement, but you can guarantee there'll be a lot of haterism. Why? Because people of compromise aren't designed to know how to handle your shine. They don't know what to do with your success. It's overwhelming. It's, irrit it's irritating. When people live in darkness, light is frustrating. You know, it's, it's just frustrating. It's like because light's exposure. I'm hiding. Why you keep getting all bright? And, 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 and it's almost, you know, I remember sharing this ages ago, way back in Columbus. It's almost like, you know, you know somebody turned the light on in a dark room, and you're like, turn that light down. You know, and most people are just telling you to turn that light down. And, and, and you don't realize that you call it a love-hate relationship. But what it is is I love you when you're not shining your light. I hate you when your light shines. And, and the reason why it's love-hate because you, you decide when you want to shine your light. And most of the time you shine your light when you can't help it. But if you left it up to you, you would hide that light because you don't want the attention because you behind the scenes. But the Bible says don't, don't hide your light under a bushel. Put it on a hill. Basically saying put it on blast. If people are uncomfortable with your light, you're really identifying who really is supposed to be in your life, who's your genuine family because people of God love light and they love your light. Right? I, I said people of God. I didn't, just, I didn't say people of church. See, see, that, see, see you think, see, I make sure I clear that up because you think every time you go to church, every church is not a church of light. <laughs> Blasphemy, pastor. True, people. <laughs> yeah, you looking for light. You could tell. You could tell when it's light. People happy in the light. Not, not every little thing you do, you, you irritating somebody or they offended. Touchy. That ain't light. That's darkness. 
That ain't like. <laughs> right? And this is what happens. You can tell when you're around people of darkness because they always tell achievers, we can't receive from them because they can't relate to us. But you're assuming that achievers have skipped your experience. They didn't skip your experience. They just couldn't tolerate it as long as you. So we'll go, oh, they're an achiever. Since they're not suffering like me, they can't relate. No, 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 no. They didn't skip your experience. They're achieving because they got through. They passed the test. And the only reason they're still not suffering is because they couldn't tolerate it as long as you. They, they, they got tired of t- suffering and said, I'm going to the light. Y'all can hang out here if you want to. I just can't take it. That's what it is. So, so if you see somebody achieving, get around them. They got, out the light. they got out the darkness into the light. Right? That's all it is. But we, we, we make up all these little things. Like, like, okay, so I know they got the singles, sanctified singles ministry, so I'm going to throw this in here. You ever see how sometimes people that are single say, well, I can't talk to married people because they can't relate. So people that's married been married their whole life. <laughs> they ain't never been single. They just skipped single right to marriage. Yo, came out the womb. Yo, babe, what's up? <laughs> Man, this is cool. We only got to meet each other. We just right here, all in the operating room. No, they were single too. But this is what we tell ourselves because I just can't stand being around these happy people together. They're making me uncomfortable, always smiling like they're happy. Pastor Mel always smiling. Go somewhere with that. <laughs> Come around me once I got somebody. You know, and I'm thirsty enough, so I should find somebody here soon. It was a joke. It was a joke. Y'all, it was a joke. Y'all, just, just see if y'all paying attention. It was just a joke. <laughs> Not nice, pastor. Stop. All right, so I apologize for that last statement. (laughs) Um, And this is the other thing. When you're around people with darkness, again, they're not taking advice from achievers, but they act like the advice from the people that's been compromising or that have their experience has been a catalyst for their change. So in other words, I'm, I'm in a situation, I'm dark. I need help. Well, I don't want no help from the Washingtons because they, they always talk about how they're happy. So I don't want no help from y'all because y'all, y'all don't relate. You know, you're too happy, so you don't understand my experience, right? So I'm acting like Pete over here, who's suffering just like I am, every time I get advice from him, I go to another level. <laughs> That's how people roll, right? So if I'm not getting advice from people that got out, I'm saying the only people that can help me is people that's in it too. How's that been working for you? I'm talking to the people out there in TV land. Because that's how we acting, like, oh, I already know. I'm in the dirt. Like, I'm stuck in the quicksand. But I know how to get out. Who's in the quicksand? If you know how to get out, you wouldn't be in. How about talking to somebody that's not in? But, but you'll go to counseling telling somebody how to counsel you. Why'd you show up for counseling? Because if you know how to help yourself, you wouldn't be in a situation. You're showing up for help. Stephanie said, yeah. <laughs> it's true, right? 
So shut up and listen. I didn't say no names, so you can't say, you gotta tell, tell somebody shut up. Now, if you saying that, then I am talking to you. <laughs> but I ain't say no names, did I? Was that sarcastic? That's probably, was that sarcastic? You said yeah? He said that was needed. But whether it's needed or not, come on, man. Yeah, listen, I'm growing up too. And I might be going through the sarcasm, but what's my intent? I'm trying to have an effect here. Hey, I'm trying to relieve you from the pain. If the worst you can get is me being sarcastic, would you rather that or pain? Because I'm a messenger. And despite popular belief, I do yield to God. I'm speaking from God. I'm not God. Don't get it twisted. But I am a, a man of God. I'm a messenger. So guess what? I'm here to tell you, hey, you don't have to go through the pain. Hey, this is how you not deal with pain. Now, what you could do in this moment, you can go, man, please, ain't nobody hearing that. Well, look for some stinging pain. If the worst you got is me, I'm light, man. I'm easy. Even though some of y'all be like, you stepped on my toes. Hey, get your toes stepped on. As a matter of fact, when you leave out of church and drive, man, I'm so glad I got my toes stepped on because I was about headed for a nightmare. Thank God I took this toe stepping. Matter of fact, show up with no shoes on. Just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this is the thing. I, I, I got to close. I, we can't be here all day. So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, sorry. Holy Spirit is funny. All right, so the danger of compromise is the perception of significance. That's the danger of compromise. So when I get into compromise situations and I'm around these people that make me prove myself, the danger of that is you have a perception of significance. You know, think about all the time that we were caught up with keeping up. Like we feel like we're significant. So why are we hurting? Why are we frustrated? Oh, so, so, so I finally, I was pressing to be with the, uh, the good old boys club, right? So I got in, but I'm hurting. Yeah, I was moving up in my career athletically, and I finally got in where I'm accepted by everybody. Well, why? I can't stand none of these people, right? See, the perception is when I get here and I'm accepted by them, I'm going to be significant. My significance is never in those things. Do those things because those are the platforms God wants to use you at. But don't do them thinking it's going to get significance. Okay, you got the house now. Congratulations. Hey, hey, everybody, congratulate them. Got the house. All right, you think your significance is in the house? Can't. Matter of fact, where's, where's your house at right now? Is it in your pocket? Can we see it right now? I mean, the actual house. Did you pull out your pocket? Poof! And we go, man, this is beautiful. Woo! Man, how many floors is this thing? Don't work that way, right? You can't carry your house everywhere you go. And you can't have everybody at your house like it's open house every day. Your house ain't a museum. You don't live at the Biltmore, right? right. So how often are you going to get this significance quench, right? Your car, you going to live in it? That's sweet. Listen, I'm telling you it's sweet. You don't even have to say it. Don't even, don't even have to brag. Your car is sweet. I wish I had your car. But guess what? You can't live in it. 
my first brand new car, the first car I ever got was brand new. And I said that to my husband, you know, I was young, so I only cared about the Bose system. That was it. So I had one mirror. I didn't know I was supposed to get two mirrors, you know. There's options with cars. You know, I didn't know. It was my first car. I was just like, so I'm sitting in there thinking I'm, you know, an adult. Hey, hey what kind of system it got? So I got my Bose system and nothing else. I didn't get the, the engine I needed. I didn't get the mirrors I needed. But, but that car was sounding good coming up and down. But guess what? I said something. I said, this system sounds good. I'm driving this, that, and the other. But you know what, David? I realized something. I can't live in the car. I rarely was in the car. Actually, they stole the car after, uh, no, they, they hit the car after three weeks. Got it back, they stole it. Got it back, they hit it. Got it back, they stole it. Got it back, they stole it again. Got it back, they stole it again. They, they, they stole a car four times, broke into it once, and the car got hit four times. So out of three years, I drove it maybe a year. And I was paying a note. There goes that significance, huh? So, so you understand what I'm saying? Listen, I got, we got cars, I got a house. Like, but it's not my significance. It's not my value. Oh, you got the boomer shoes. How much you pay for those? Two fifty. It can't be your significance. It has to. God has given you richly all things to enjoy, not all things to approve yourself. You're not approved by those things. You're, they're supposed to be in, enjoyment, right? Okay, so y- 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 so I'm gonna pick you. I gotta pick with you. So y'all play video games, right? <laughs> right. Y'all playing the games. You enjoy them, right? Yeah, right? But that, your value can't be in the game, right? Like, are you special? How many levels you don't want? You, are you playing people across the country yet? So you're the best. Oh, this is good. Thank you. You set yourself up. So he's the best at the games. How many of y'all knew that already? That's only because he talks about it. So, so Pastor Mel knew, okay. I got another one. How many of y'all care? <laughs> now I got, I got another one. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got another one. So, all right, so without telling your business, roughly, how much do you make at your job? Roughly. I don't want to tell all your business. A year. Six figures. So, so we just, we just leave it at that, okay? We're gonna tell you all your business. Six figures, for real? I'm just, <laughs> all right, so, so if they tell you six figures, he makes much more than six figures, okay? All right, so, but anyway, so how much you make for the video games? Six figures? You make six figures for the video games? Four figures for the video games. You're in six figures for the job, you can make money in video games. Okay, he can make money in video games. Let me clear that up. I just said you can. He can. But there's a whole lot of time you got to spend to do that, right? Right? No, no, you're good. You're good. All right, so, 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 so my point is you make more at your job than the video games, right? How much time do you spend in the video games? How much time do you spend in the Word? 
You only get like three hours of the work. Two. So three. So you spend three hours a day video games. Hold on, hold on, y'all. Two hours a day in the Word, right? How many hours do you spend at work? Eight to ten hours. So ten. That's fifteen hours. Video games and work and the Word. How much time do you spend with your family? Because it's only 24 hours in a day. All right, so if I interviewed your wife, would she give all those same numbers? <laughs> look, look, she said, look, hold on. Hold on. She said, I got to go home. All right, so, so, hey, 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 you're you okay. Y'all got to drive home. I want y'all, remember teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. Hey, thanks, come back, teamwork. All right, so how many other people spend three hours a day video games in here? It's just, it's cool, you're, not, you're okay. How much you get paid? You don't get paid nothing? Well, you spend the same amount of hours he does, hey, you might want to talk to him. Right, you, you, you need to get paid. But, but all I was trying to say is, is sometimes we can get pulled into things and it can pull us out of what God has is, is purposed for us to do, right? And so, but it's not necessarily our value and our significance, right? So, so, so the whole point is you can say yes to something. So, so, so he said he makes four figures video games, right? He said four, roughly about four figures, okay? All right, so, so there are people that make six figures video games. No, I know that. It's more than six figures, right? There are people that make, that have made millions in athletics. I know somebody that made multi-millions in athletics and tried to drive their car off a cliff. So is the money determines your significance. The obedience to what God has told you to do determines your significance. You see, you see what I'm saying? Because why would somebody make multi-millions, live on a, almost a ranch uh, with a, a garage? How many cars was in there? Like, it was like maybe eight or nine cars movie theater, game room, uh, bowling alley, tennis court. Uh, no, this, this, I'm not making all this. I mean, have, have, it's ridiculous. I mean, and why would that person try to drive their car off a cliff? And it was a Lamborghini that they drove up, was driving off the cliff. You see what I'm saying? Because in their position, the thought was my significance would be when I get to this climb, and when I got to the climb, why am I still thirsty? I shouldn't be thirsty. I have all the things they say that, that would make me not thirsty. So I don't understand, because we can't get our, our thirst quenched in things. He's given us richly all things to enjoy, but we're supposed to get our thirst quenched in God. You understand what I'm saying? So you notice I didn't say don't do those things. Don't play the games, do whatever you got to do. 
but it can't be come before us getting our thirst quenched in God. And if, because what happens is we can get so caught up in keeping up, it can pull us out. See, if it doesn't pull you up. So we got to ask when we're participating in stuff, is it pulling us up closer to God or is it pulling us out of the presence of God? Is God pleased? Not if pastors please. I don't need to be pleased. Is God pleased? And you have to be honest with yourself at every stage of the game. And if you're feeling funky, see, see, once you get caught up with stuff, it's like, does everybody here know sugar is not good for you? The kids are probably not going to raise their hands on that one. But, you, you know, but you, does everybody know sugar tastes good? Right? But you know sugar eats your insides up? We good? Now, why would somebody continue eating sugar and eat your insides up? Because it tastes good, right? But, but there's a thirst for it, right? But you know sugar makes you thirsty. You know that, right? Because you, you can never satisfy the, the sugar need, right? So the things of God fulfills you. The things outside of God creates more of a thirst. You know, alcohol makes you thirsty, right? Drugs. I used to call them. I had a name for them back in the day. More. I called them more because the more you did it, the more you wanted. So when you start to participate in things based on the lust, it creates a thirst. It ma- lust makes you thirsty. Lust is hard to satisfy, right? It's insatiable. That's what it means, insatiable, unsatisfied. You can't quench the thirst. It just keeps you thirsty. In the kingdom of God, agape love quenches your thirst, right? You don't need as much to have an impact. So that's, what my, that's the whole point. Let's do things that actually fulfill us, not just thrill us, right? And then make sure what we're doing is in obedience to God. Because some of us are supposed to be strong in our anointings, in the power of, and the presence of God on our lives. Some of us are supposed to be, there's people around us that need healing, and it's supposed to come from us. But when we're making these decisions to do things that we like, do we realize we're forfeiting being a person God designed us to be that's supposed to impact their lives? We're looking around at others when we're the one. Some of us, when we open our mouth to sing, everybody's supposed to fall out. But some of us ain't even looking for that impact because we don't see ourselves as that valuable. But God sees us that way. And so we're not paying a price to position ourselves to be used by God, we're, present, we're, we're paying a price to position ourselves to get accolades from man. And we're missing out. Cinnamon gave the testimony, and she said, so she came up here, and she says it was, it, she, she, there's stuff going on on her insides. She said her insides caved in, right? Am I saying it correct? She said it was so much power up here. Now, she said she knows this guy. She says, but that man has power. I said it that day. I, first of all, I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. And guess what? I ain't feel nothing. So I'm not no man of God to tell you, yeah, so you know what happens is the power surged through me, went into Cinnamon's hands, and, you know, she fell out. But I, you know, because I'm just powerful like that. No, no, I was obedient. I'm not powerful. I believe what God's word said. Actually, all three of those young ladies had a testimony. Miesha said she came up and she was like, 
And I don't think nothing's gonna happen. Right? Close. I'm close, right, Mia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. She yielded and she said, she came up for her heart, right? And she, so she says a cooling sensation went to her hands and, and, and hit your heart also, right? Right? I, first of all, I didn't even know that because I ain't feel nothing. I told you that, right? Then I said, I ain't feel, I ain't feel nothing. We, they was downstairs talking. And then Tiana, Tiana didn't say nothing that day. Her mom came to the Bible study fellowship and said she was walking and said, oh, no, I'm a, my pain about to go away. So she, she took a step of faith and said she came up. Pastor Mel came over to her. Pray for her. She says, her pain went away. We ain't the healer. We were being obedient. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, that everybody here has supernatural power potential. Everybody here. And so we have people around us that need healing, and we're looking around instead of looking within. And then if we really care, do we pay the price to position ourselves to be such a conduit for God that when they come around us, they experience the signs and wonders of God? That's all I'm saying. See, if it, if it, if it don't pull you up, it's pulling you out, out of your anointing. And so, so, so tr- trust me, it's not about like, like, like we have an assignment. Heirs Christian Center Church, I heard uh, Sabrina say this, equipping heirs for the kingdom of God. Preparation for purpose, Galatians 4, 1 and 2, right? The heir is no different than a servant as long as he's a child, but is under tutors and governor to the point in time of the father. In other words, everybody has an inheritance of power and greatness and fulfillment in God. Our job is to equip you to, to walk in that power. Do you know you have the power to enlighten people with your words? Like people that don't believe, you open your mouth and for whatever reason, whatever comes out your mouth, they're like, oh my God. My son, he was, uh, he was at the house and I walked in um, and they were in the living room talking and my wife was sitting in her, you know, they, they all, you get excited, their eyes be like this. So her eyes was like this. She said, man, he was in here preaching. The presence of God hit him. He just started talking and stuff was just flowing out of him. Right? Just, just flowing out of him. He was in a particular atmosphere and stuff was just flowing out of him. But guess what? Everybody in here have that potential. But the more, the, so, so the devil knows that because you've made God's image after God's likeness, so he gives you stuff to keep you busy. First he gives you craziness, stuff you know you're not supposed to do. Then he shifts it to give you stuff that are not bad things. They're just not best things. Listen, not bad things, they're just not best things. All things are lawful, but not expedient, not best. And so you have, you have some people in here have dormant power because we're not positioning ourselves to shake the belonging, conformity to the world, and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Remember, the scripture says having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So we look like a Christian. We talk like a Christian. We sing like a Christian. With no power. Paul says, my preaching and teaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but was in demonstration of power 
So, so that's a, listen, fine. I, I guess y'all, it'd be nice, it'd be cute that, oh my God, the cinnamon said it. It's very encouraging. Man, I told my husband, that man got power. Very encouraging. But just like I told my grandson, I said, you left the game saying, I had some good shots, didn't I? I said, I want you to leave the game saying, we won. Guess what? I can't leave the sanctuary saying, hey, babe, that was a good healing. No, I want to leave the sanctuary saying, we won. Do you understand? So if you understand, if you understand what our motive is, man, it's not to put nobody down. Because like, we don't. No matter what you do, we still standing, right? The times you've been irreverent, the times you've been funky, the times you've been uh, defensive, right? Times you've been immature. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I need to call some names out. But you ain't right. Me and just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No matter what, we're still here because our job is not to, to stop, go, look at you, you immature, defensive, no, that ain't our job. Our job is to give you the wisdom from there. Our job, listen, pastor's job is to give all of ourselves so you can become all of you. That's it. So even if we look bad, feel bad, man, listen, there's been situations Crowd of people coming at us crazy. You know what our response was? Hey, I guess we, we don't have what it takes to serve you. You know what natural Keith would have done? Oh, I'd have broke them all down. Because <laughs> I had all the, look, I'm the pastor. I got, I, got all the, I got all their cracks and chinks. It would have been easy. It wouldn't even have been hard. Like back in the day, you had to f- figure stuff out. Oh, I could have just one by one. Oh, excuse me? You was talking to me? Oh, so let's talk about that. I, I didn't do that. You know why? Because that's not my job. See, it's your job to be defensive. It's your job to go back home and talk negative because somebody told you the truth. It's your job to matter. That's not my job. My job is, okay, there's some love from there. There's some wisdom from there. There's some wisdom from there. And to a man, I bet you people can come up here and give you testimonies like, I don't know how they hung in there with me. Because everybody else I was around abandoned me. You know why they abandoned you? They're like, man, listen. Somebody else got to help them because I can't do it. <laughs> right? But we haven't done that, have we? How many people can raise their hand and say that's true? See in tears. Right? Some, some of y'all should have raised your hand, but pride wouldn't let you, and you're in denial. No, you're in denial. You actually think, no, nah, I've been perfectly fine. If you ain't obedient to God, you're not. And, but you might not see it yet, but you will. And the thing is, you had an opportunity to see it just now, so now you may have to go through some pain to see it. That's not a negative confession. The goal is for you to see it. And it's not for me to be right. It's for you to be best. Stand on your feet, that's all.